All right, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, Grace and Mercy Church, guess what? I love Easter season for a lot of different reasons. But I, I love, uh, in the last few years, I love like the weeks leading up to it. A couple years ago, we had the Psalms of Ascent leading right into Easter, which was amazing and awesome. And then, um, I forget what it was last year, but that was good too. <laughs> and then this year has been... this. It was Revelation last year, and then Ecclesiastes, kind of like just a break from the meaningless of uh, Ecclesiastes, which is kind of nice to experience as well. But I I love seeing how Jesus is going to bring about his resurrection every year. I love kind of like taking the time to think about it and pray about it and then kind of be surprised by it every year. I pray constantly for this church and for us as a group of people that we may constantly be surprised by Jesus, that we won't grow tired in, oh yeah, resurrection, I know that story, death, burial, resurrection, but that we will live in awe of who Jesus is and what he does and did and does currently in our lives, that we won't get bored thinking about Jesus, but we can still live into the joy that resurrection brings each and every year. And I love uh, the last week of Easter in particular. I love Palm Sunday, um, and I love the details in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday in Scripture, and I love, like, the last few years, I've fallen in love with Holy Saturday as well. Maybe one of these years I'll actually take it where I don't talk that day. That's going to be a, uh, a good, good year for my family, I'm sure. But I love that the triumphant entry sets, uh, sets Easter up so well. And it sets up where everyone's crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then throughout the week, the Hosannas kind of like fade away and life kind of like really hits them. And then the shouts of Hosanna turn into the crucify him, crucify him. And uh, it, this twist in, in the life of Jesus is it's horrible and it's shocking. Because it's like, how can this guy ride in in a donkey, be king, and then by the end of the week or by Thursday, they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. And then they do. They put him on a cross. And I think as a church, I think we're pretty good at Good Friday, right? It's actually, I think it's the way I kind of think about it in my own head. This is because of where I grew up and who I am, right? But it's kind of moody and broody. It's very uh, Seattle emo-esque. It's very kind of like dark. It's introspective. It's a day where hope kind of just goes dark and it feels like it's going to rain for another six months. Have you guys ever felt that in real, real life where it's just going to rain and Jesus was nailed to the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And in this, we are forgiven and are accepted. And, and not, uh, it's not just all dreary. In fact, one, sun, one Good Friday service that I did, like I think it was the first Good Friday at Grace and Mercy, we kind of just said, okay, look, if it's Good Friday, why is it good? And we looked at all the good things that Good Friday brings about. And in, in Good Friday, we are made whole and holy by Jesus' actions on the cross. And we know this. And we are living in a time that we, as followers of Jesus know to be a moment and we know what's beyond it but if we were there at that time it would have felt hopeless if we were like followers or potential followers of jesus we would feel that hopelessness and darkness like going they just killed that guy i thought was my savior and i think that as a church we understand that feeling 
Then the next day, Holy Saturday, I think we, we kind of get this too. The reality of Jesus' death settles in, right? It's like the first day, the shock is over. But there's this uneasy of feeling because your belief was so strong that Jesus was the Messiah. Our faith was just like, yes, this is a guy. We're going to follow him. He's setting up this new kingdom. And how can God be put on a cross? How can God die? They don't have the scriptures like we have now. They didn't have, you know, the the totality of the story in it. They were just in it. And it it was the unsettling of life and the mystery, kind of the waiting and the space in between Jesus' death and what for them? What was next? And on Holy Saturday, I think that we just don't yet know. And there's a reality of this where God's ways are bigger than ours and we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But and we, we don't know if we have enough to just make it through this next week. And that's kind of the feeling of Holy Saturday. And I think that we kind of get this as well. But... All year, I think, I don't think I've ever been able to put words to it until now, but all year, uh, my prayers have been personally for me, for my family, but as well, it's continued to my church family as well, that we may live into the joy of Jesus' resurrection. That this is something that as a church, I think that we may get better and better at. That's my prayer. That we may learn to live and lean into the joy at a deeper, uh, at a deeper level, regardless of our, uh, our situation, regardless of ease or difficulties in life or the problems that we face, that we may run towards joy expecting to embrace it. But this joy is not ours. It's the joy that God would allow us to live into. The joy of Jesus' resurrection, and this is my prayer, that we may just be better at joy. Our text for this Easter Sunday, you guys, if you have a Bible, it's going to be in three places. It's Matthew 28, 5-10, Luke uh, 24, 11-12, and John 21-8. And they read like one part of a story of Jesus', Jesus resurrection, and I hope that's what it sounds like today. But Jesus come. And in, I, I, this is what I pray. I pray that Jesus will come, and even in the reading of the Scriptures, that we'd have the heart to see what it would look like to live into joy of the resurrection of Jesus. So I'm going to start with Matthew, and then I'll go uh, Luke and John. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for He has risen, as He said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them saying, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Then from Luke, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, 
He saw linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what happened. Then John chapter 20, 1 through 8. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went with the other disciples, with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in its place by itself. And the other disciples, and the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and he believed. And I love this section of scripture for so many reasons. And I, I um, and this is why I picked it, I think, because all of it, they're just all running. But why are they running? They're not running because they're in trouble. They're running for joy. Mary Magdalene and, the, and Jesus, mother of James and Joanna, and Mark would tell us that one of the other women there was Salome, was there too. And all these women running with fear and yet with joy at the same time. And let me ask the ladies here. What would it take to cause you to run uh, with joy? Not like running for joy, not like as an ex- experience or uh, an exercise but what would it take for you to run for joy or or i wouldn't run i would walk hastily maybe um so let where where you would just have that joy that would surprise you so much that you started running to tell somebody about this instance about your joy about what it is that's inside that you just need to tell somebody And these women ran with fear and great joy until they saw Jesus. And he said, uh, fear not. Now, to be fair, I looked up kind of the distances and and no one knows for certain, but it wasn't a marathon that these ladies were going to run. It wasn't like 26 miles to the next town. The best guesses are that it was anywhere from half a mile to a mile from the tomb to where they were. So they ran. They knew that they could walk there in 20 minutes. They knew that even if they weren't very fast, they could do double time and get there in 10. And so they ran to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive. And I love that they couldn't wait to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive. If you had you know, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother James, Joanna and Salome, you had at least four women, somebody won. You don't know who, right? Somebody was there first. And then they kind of probably just came in. He's alive. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. He's not in the tomb. And they would have heard this over and over that, that Jesus had risen, that all the wondering if this Messiah had disappeared and all the wondering, was this a Messiah? All that had disappeared and it was replaced with great joy, knowing that this is the Messiah, that their hopes had not failed them, that this is what Jesus' resurrection can do. It can replace our doubts and bring great joy to us. And may we live in a place where Jesus has us running to tell others what he has done, what our new life found in him means, what it would look like to be so overjoyed with our life found in Jesus. 
And I on, honestly, I wish I knew this feeling better. And I'm hoping that this next year and, and beyond that we can learn this together. I love that the resurrection was witnessed by women and then they ran and then they told and they were excited to tell and then that they had seen Jesus and that Jesus is alive and then they were not believed. I love that. It makes the story seem uh, more true to me because it's like, well, Moe's told me stuff for years and years and years and I didn't believe it until somebody else told me. And then I was like, oh, Mo, did you see this one thing that happened? And it just makes this story more believable to me. The men in these women's life didn't believe them. They didn't believe them. Had, uh, had this, uh, they had not done immediately. They, I mean, I bet these women would have been, uh, if they didn't like get up and run immediately, the, I bet these women would have been telling him for years until it was like, oh, someone else told us about it. And didn't you know Jesus is alive? And I just figure it's kind of like that. And, but another detail that makes me believe this story is true is because in the book of John, the disciple that Jesus loved all through the book of John is John. We kind of know that by now. We've done enough study and through the years. We know that it's John. And John, in a very humble way, is telling us that he outran Peter to the tomb. If He, he outran Peter to the tomb, which makes me believe it, because even though he does it humbly and he kind of does it like, well, the disciple that Jesus loved beat the other guy. Like, beat the other guy. And I know that um, if Jim and I ran to the tomb together, now, I'm not saying I'm faster than Jim. I mean, it's not a very long distance, so maybe he's a better sprinter. Who knows? Like, if, it, if it's five miles, I'm beating Jim for sure, by the way. I'm beating him for sure. But, you, but if it's like, if it's a short distance, you know, I guarantee you, you will know very shortly who the person that won is. Right? It'll be like, well, I beat Jim there, but he was the first one in the tomb. You know, something like that. It would have like, it would have gone something like that. And I think it's... Um, uh, for years to come, it would be a joke, right? It would just be something that it would, it would go. But for men, let me ask you this. What would cause you to get up and run in anticipation of joy? What is it? Zeke's just answered. He's mimicking his mom saying he wouldn't run. What is it that would cause you to run with such joy? And I'm not asking you to sprint for the half a mile, but what would cause you to just get there in wonderment as quick as you can if this, to see if this joy was real? And I love that Peter wanted to believe these women so badly. He didn't, right? But he wanted to believe them so badly that he got up and he ran. He needed to see for himself. And by the way, pretty typical of men, right? Like the women that have men in their lives, I'm just saying like, Again, it makes the story believable. But he looked in the tomb. He saw that it was empty. He saw the clothes laid out. And what did he do? He believed. He believed. And I pray for us for joy. I pray for resurrection type joy. I pray that we may never forget the cross where Jesus died. That we may never forget that there is mystery in not knowing everything that's going on. And that we may live into the joy of resurrection. I think all three are important. Think of it this way. We are forgiven from all our sins. In, in, in a way, we, uh, in every way, we miss the mark. And yet at the same time, we're forgiven. I love that Jesus keeps no records of our wrongdoing because he erased them with his blood. 
He did this on the cross. Jesus' death is a huge benefit to us, amen? Like, this forgiveness is something that we couldn't provide for ourselves. We needed a Savior, and Jesus, our Savior, came and provided it for us. Over and over again, through the entirety of our lives, He just keeps on providing His grace. His broken body and His shed blood provides us for us at every moment of every day, and we need it every moment of every day. Jesus' broken and body and shed blood are a central part of our faith, amen? Like, we practice communion every single week, a place that we keep returning to, because we never want to be far from the cross. We want to be close to it. We want to know that, that we live in a post-resurrection time, but we can take joy in the work of the cross because of the resurrection of Jesus. We know that Jesus is alive, amen? We know that Jesus is alive. We know that he has risen from the dead. And we live at the cross that Jesus, where Jesus died for us in light of the cross. But the cross is empty because Jesus' body isn't there anymore. I pray that we may run to Jesus to see what he has for us. Let us run with joy and expectation and anticipation that he loves us and, and that he's going to be good to us. And we can't live, um, and I was thinking about it this way, we can't live in that always hyped up moment, right? I, I, always found, um, I always found, I grew up in Christian churches where the, the, you'd go to youth group and you'd go on a church high and then you'd come crashing down and then you're just like, hey, I thought you made a dedication at camp. And everybody's like, uh, yeah. I did. And then, but no one kind of lived it out day to day. We can't live in those high times all the time. But what we can do is carry that joy through us through the days, the weeks, and the years. The remembering what that's like to have that there. And then we can allow the reality of our joyful experience in Jesus to shape our everyday. And we can actually seek that joy again. And we can remember what it felt like to be more joyful and to hold on to and hold on to that joy. If we think about it, we run to Jesus all the time, right? There are times when we run away from him and there are times when we run to him. And I'm hoping that we are running towards him more than we're running away from him. But I think about it this way. We run to Jesus with our problems, don't we? We do this in prayer. We do this in our complaints, and this is right and proper to do. It's a good thing to do, but we go and we run to Jesus and we tell him what's up. Even though we know he sees it, we still tell him. We run to Jesus to confess our sins because we know that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that he doesn't want us to live in the muck and mire of our own sin, but he has something better for us. We run to Jesus with all our burdens. And what does he say? Here, take this one. My burden for you is light. And he wants to take this heavy burden from us. And, and yet, we can run to him in our joy as well. At least learn this part. We can run to him for joy. We can run to him like a child runs to their parents. And I have to put this caveat in there because of our church. When I say the child runs to our parents, I'm talking about the good, happy toddler kind, right? That they're just like, eh, dad, mom. Like they're running like that kind of thing. You guys remember that, right? Not the, dad, what are you doing? Like it's the good kind. I'm talking about the good kind here. The good, happy kind that you do when you're toddlers. We are God's joy. 
you and me. We are God's joy. Jesus delights in us. He delights in us. He delights in you. He delights in me. He delights in us coming together and worshiping him in this place each and every week. He is constantly inviting us to run to him, or as we say it at this church all the time, to follow him, to walk with him. Jesus is constantly asking us to lay down our burdens and take his yoke for us, which is the joy of resurrection. Knowing that we are Jesus' joy and that he wants to give us joy in life is amazing for us. For years, I, I was more used to the idea that Jesus was disappointed in me because of my sin. Because, because of my sin, that's why Jesus had to die. But what I failed to see, and I think that we can see when we look at the resurrection, is that Jesus went to the cross. We didn't force him there. He went. He had a desire to go there. We don't have the power to put him on the cross. He went for you and for me because of his great love for us. And Hebrews tells us that it was his, for his joy that he endured the cross. Why? So he can be with you and me. Even in that text in, in Hebrews, it is an encouragement for us to then run to Jesus, much like the women ran to the disciples and the disciples ran back to the tomb. Grace and Mercy Church, may we live in the joy of the resurrection of Jesus. May we run to Him with hope and expectations, with our sorrows, yes, with our prayers, yes, with our burdens, yes, but also with joy, hoping that He's going to do something. And I pray that we may live in the light of His delight for us and that that may bring us joy. May we see that our joy, our joy that God gives us, brings Jesus joy. Let me close by reading Hebrews chapter 12, 1-2. through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I will say this, he is risen. He is risen indeed. May we go and live in the joy and light of his resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.